Hi, and welcome to Moment of Truth with Amy Chen Mills. That's me, clear thinking on confusing topics in challenging times. Today's program is called When Fascism Comes to Your Town. Picture this, a lovely little seaside community at the northern edge of Monterey Bay. Fertile agriculture to the south and in the Salinas Valley, in Watsonville, a farming and farm worker community, a mostly Latine community, and then moving north, a whiter community, in many spots very affluent, but still, being on the coast of California and not far from San Francisco, mostly blue. In fact, about 75% Democratic countywide as of the last election. The largest city in Santa Cruz County is also called Santa Cruz, recently governed by its first black mayor who took a knee with the chief of police during the 2020 BLM protests, which were quite large here. A university on a hill and a community college too, both mostly thriving amidst a regional housing crisis. There is great pressure here from Yes in My Backyard activists or YIMBYs and from multinational hedge funds and real estate companies and because of the green belts, ocean, and mountains that both draw people in and keep people out. A history of white hippie music, activism, and psychedelic shenanigans. A deeper history of Spanish missions, white settlement, genocide, colonization, and anti-Chinese, Japanese, and Filipino sentiment. And before that, indigenous Ohlone stewardship for thousands of years. Activists for Black Lives, activists for the unhoused, activists for farm workers and organic and regenerative agriculture, and until recently, until YIMBY, until COVID and vaccinations and masks, most leftists were on the same page. Liberals and centrist Democrats united around at least women's and LGBTQ plus rights. Many people, if they were resourced, felt somewhat safe here. But trouble is brewing and it reflects the tendrils of fascism that have been creeping into even liberal enclaves and leftist circles for some time. First, presidential hopeful Ron DeSantis shows up in Salinas, coming down from the state capital of Sacramento. You find out that the massive apartment building now almost fully built downtown and lauded by Yimbys is the product of Anton Devko, the founder of which hosted Ron DeSantis in Sacramento when no one else would. Next, an arm of the national extremist hate group Moms for Liberty is trying to organize in the county. Friends whom you once attended lefty organizing meetings with are now anti-vax or vaccine hesitant, and some are sharing websites with links to far-right rabbit holes with virulently anti-trans disinformation and urging their friends to support RFK Jr. Welcome to Santa Cruz County, California. Does it sound like your town? And also California and the Central Coast, a typically deep blue enclave that, perhaps like your city, is beginning to feel the pressures of creeping Christo-nationalism. This Monday on Moment of Truth, we have the honor of welcoming to our show our Moment of Truth roving reporter, Mei-Ling Obinata, who, along with Nyanko Nyasu, have been breaking the news in the Monterey Bay area about Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' visits to Sacramento and Salinas to fundraise, coming again to Salinas on September 28th. Welcome, Mei Ling. Thanks, Amy. 
It's good to see you. Thanks for being here. We also should have on Clean Feed Jen Reeves, California Regional Director for Defense of Democracy and National Organization, dedicated to combating the efforts of Moms for Liberty and Christo nationalism, especially on school boards. She is based in Temecula, California, which has been a hot spot for Moms for Liberty and related groups. Jen is a wife, mother, and a small business owner. Jen, welcome. Lately, Jen works hard to advocate for the communities under attack while learning about the new extremist groups, oh no, attacking our board meetings. Joy Schendeldecker is an artist, mom, and community organizer in Santa Cruz, California, where she is current co-chair of Democratic Socialists of America and co-founder of Santa Cruz Cares, an organization supporting the unhoused. As an eco-socialist feminist, Joy believes we need to put justice at the center of everything we do and that we need to put people above profits. This means sticking to values of compassion, community care, and trickle-up economics rooted in research-based best practices. Joy is also running for city council in Santa Cruz. So, hi Amy. Welcome. Thank, Thank you, you for joining us again. So, we're going to start with our local, our deep blue community in Santa Cruz County, particularly in the city of Santa Cruz, although there's a lot of diversity around the region. Uh, Joy has become like a regular contributor on our show and is with us again because of her article in a recent edition of a normally progressive newsletter. Uh, I mean, you could call it progressive, perhaps. I've been a little reluctant to call it that lately. Um, it's called Bratton Online, and it's been going on, I believe, for several years. Joy 20, had a, I think. For 20 years, Joy had a column, uh, a regular column in Bratton Online, and um, she wrote about a group called Brave and Free that was showing up at kind of anti-war protests around town and actually involved people that we both know that we've actually been supportive of in the past who are advocates for the unhoused. I guess I'm going to have to say the name, Keith McHenry being one of them. Uh, And on that Brave and Free website, Joy was finding links to anti-trans, very far-right extremist Website like you would click on the Brave and Free website and then get kind of sucked into these rabbit holes. Um, and she wrote about this. And then what happened next? Would you like to finish the story? <laughs> or I can too, but you go ahead. Yeah. So I actually didn't know who was locally involved in the group Brave and Free Santa Cruz. Um, so, but they were uh, sponsoring, co sponsoring, along with some well respected organizations. Um, this anti-war march or rally and so I was just looking at their website to see who they are and didn't find out who they are as individuals but the links in on their website their recommended reading and what they have in their news category go straight to websites that feature con- not just conspiratorial thinking that is um, anti-semitic but also some, for example, on the homepage of one, um, a video, of course, you don't, you don't, everything is coded. The language is all coded and there's all dog whistles. So there's this plausible di- uh, deniability. But basically that trans people are pedophiles and, and child groomers. You know, a lot of like, we have to protect the children kind of stuff. Also anti-Muslim, um, you know, they get sort of a, a mishmash of... Right. Um, and then you, you wrote about and that. Scapegoating. So I wrote about it yeah. without naming any names. I gave a couple of examples of things that I thought were very concerning. 
on the website. You can still find it in and the And especially given archives. that you have a trans kid. Yeah, mm-hmm. non-binary trans kids. Um, you know, I'm a non-conforming person. I, so this of concern to me personally, as well as in a larger political sense yeah. and ethically. And yeah. so I, I published it just as my regular weekly, mostly weekly column. Uh, Bruce didn't flag anything except that I should capitalize the S in anti-Semitism. <laughs> and um, I, I ran it by a couple of people who were going to be speaking at a Brave and Free meeting about 15-minute cities. 15-minute uh, cities for normal people is just like um, urban planning that means that you can walk to the things that you need uh, in a short period of time. Yeah. It's like building walkable neighborhoods. But in conspiracy land, 15-minute cities are, um, you know, we're going to have these passports and this surveillance and nobody's going to be able to leave. It's it. So yeah, I, it's, I, it's I basically this, it's become a kind of conspiracy theory. And yeah. that's what we're seeing. And that's yes. something that we're going to get into more after yes. this one story about right. what's happening locally. Yes. But this is what we're seeing over. There's a trend yeah. where you're go, you're kind of going left. You're anti-war, right. you're anti-vax. You know, yeah. you're, you're you're maybe you're a natural sort of wellness oriented person. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know you're aligned with people who are a little bit yeah. a little bit sketch as far yeah. as I'm concerned. So the response I got, I'll try to be faster. Yeah. The response I got was um, mostly people just wanted to know why I was um, uh, discriminating against people who are vaccine hesitant. Nobody really took my concerns about the discriminatory content about trans people or, um, you know, and I just took it took it seriously. I I was just dismissed and deflected. It was dismissal and deflection. And um, I got a few letters that, you know, they weren't so horrible. I was a little worried that I was going to be doxxed. Keith McHenry wrote a 4,000 word, two-part diatribe naming me and, you know, just it was ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, put it on his blog. And then a UK blogger... um, put my picture in a in a, a blog entry and I was like, oh God, it's gonna get really bad, but it's okay. And then Bruce um, uh, published Keith's 4,000 4, words. 4,000 words. As a <laughs> journalist, I can tell you that is yeah. a major cover story plus yeah. an extra thousand column, words. I can't remember the exact word count, maybe a, a yeah. thousand, 1,200 words. Yeah. And just put the whole thing right there at the top of the At the top it. of the publication. And so I didn't, without, letting me know that it would happen and I and I thought well I didn't appreciate it so just as a writer and contributor I didn't appreciate it I asked for it to be taken off and at least replaced with a link so it wasn't so many words and for us to have a conversation with all the columnists about what Policy. happens yeah, yeah what yeah. happens if and so did they take rebuttal. that down off the no, no the, the screed I'm going to call it a screed is still up there yeah. it has not been retracted it is a screed that links to a website that then leads to anti-trans content, and I'm not. I am really not okay with that. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna share that because because of what's happening. This is what I think people don't realize what fascism looks like when it comes to your town, which is the theme of the show, and it starts creeping in. And here mm-hmm. we have it. So, mm-hmm. my understanding is the next thing that happened is rather than have a meeting and have a discussion, have a retraction, have an apology. You were basically let go from Bratton yes. Online. I just wasn't a good fit. That's well. <laughs> that's what I got. I, I asked Bruce Bratton 
you know, in some ways, like bless his heart, you know, he's probably done many, many good things over the years, but mm-hmm. his, his statement is joy didn't fit into what I've developed for my Bratton online. She was the first and only contributor I ever allowed to write weekly and had ever known before. Uh, and so because he didn't doesn't know you well and suddenly, I mean, I don't understand it because I think that what you wrote was really important to write in terms of being within a progressive online, you know, yeah. uh, publication context. The majority of the responses I got were positive and appreciative. Yeah. And and I, I was upset. I think I wrote to Bruce myself and I said, what's going on? So I'm just, I, I kind of like, let's look alive, progressives. Like, what do we, you know, fascism is upon us and we're going to be, we need to, you know, be sharp and be on top of things. Um, and the other thing that we've been seeing um, uh, in our community is people who, well, basically, someone sent me this article. I think it was you, Joy, or yeah. someone else. The Crunchy to Alt-Right Pipeline. Oh, no, that was somebody else. Someone yeah. else sent it. I think to it was someone. Yeah, yeah, and it's called. it was in the Atlantic, and it's about how the wellness community starts to mingle with the alt-right, the far-right uh, and it's happening around COVID. We've seen that. That's what uh, Naomi Klein's new book, Doppelganger, is about. Mm-hmm. Her doppelganger is Naomi Wolf, who's on the Steve Bannon podcast, like on an almost daily basis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Naomi Wolf, who wrote The Beauty Myth, which I read, which I liked, you know, now is over in Steve Bannon world. Steve Bannon is someone who goes around the globe fomenting fascist movements in countries all over the place. Yes. So now we have actually people in our community, and I don't. I love some of these people, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, I've I've had wonderful connections and friendships and moments mm-hmm. with them, and then but they're starting to come out with pro RFK Jr. stuff. If you could spend a few moments talking about. Um, because you actually wrote a paper about this because you're such a good thinker, which is why I have you on the station a lot. And and I think people are experiencing this all over the world, actually, this kind of far left to far right or anti-war to far right or anti-vax yeah. to far right. And so you wrote a paper about how the how the binary of left and right. A column, yeah. The yeah. column following my, my... Oh, it was a column in Bratton Online as yeah, well. Yeah, it was okay. following the Brave and Free column. Okay. And, and when I didn't know that the the McHenry screed would be printed above my column I had but but yeah I think it it is confusing and and in that column I was just trying to get a handle on a little bit and I've I I actually began writing that column months ago I wrote some notes for it because um, getting into electoral politics there are some people that um, but, you know, I thought that we were in it together and they were actually really, well, I didn't think that we were in the, the election together, but broadly organizing together and yeah. supporting each other's work. Um, and they were like really mad at me for, for running and, and said that, you know, basically there's this idea that electoral politics is conservative. And I was really confused. Right. And then I, I, Months and months later, some other things were said, and I was like, oh, I get it. It's like, within the left, some people think that there is a a right and a left. And so you have this kind of sectarianism where people are, you know, fighting, and, and leftists have been fighting with each other forever. Um, yeah, and I know, imagine so. <laughs> the right does too. I hope they do. Otherwise, we're, so. we're we're screwed. You know, so <laughs> infighting on the right. Let's go. <laughs> and it's all very. It's all very. It's posed as very linear uh-huh. and binary. Uh-huh. You're either with us or you're against us. Yes. You're either. And what? And it, 
But it's much more confusing than that. People are so much more complex and nuanced. And there's people who are generally on the same board, but they're being tempted by RFK Jr. Yeah, because, because of vaccine he- hesitancy. And or when you hear him, his- when you hear him sometimes, he says all the right things. Mm-hmm. Of course, his policies are like, hey, more neoliberal free market capitalism. Yeah, or he talks about toxicity without talking about an anti-capitalist movement against fossil fuels. Yeah, or an anti-capitalist movement against big pharma yeah. or you know i mean because it's all this, very is, individual. this is the thing we could agree here's the thing here's what i think is happening and I'm, we're going to bring mailing in in a moment uh and i i also really want to advise that people read the, the crunchy to alt-right pipeline in the atlantic uh there's a wonderful article called fascism and the women's cause in uh, libcom.org that is very very long it is it's and it's a little bit academic but it's 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 really interesting. You know, white women have been part of fascist movements yeah. since America was settled. I know. And so now <laughs> it's like now we have to be worried about cis women being the quote unquote victims of trans and non-binary people. And there was another piece that I saw and I can't remember the name of where this was, but it's how do we how do we assert white victimhood somehow <laughs> into the into the pro trans rights movement yeah. so that we can derail it so that we can have scapegoats yeah. so that we can continue to foster fascism and one more thing i want to say about rfk and you know before we move on is that he is being funded by republicans essentially so he's being funded by he's being courted by and people who are in this sort of mishmash i call them wormholes because it's not like a rabbit hole it's like you go from the far left you go into a wormhole and you come out on the far right right (laughs) in rfk land or in steve bannon land or trump land and you know it and fascism is using i mean i feel surrounded by propaganda and disinformation right now and it's very hard to keep clear that's what this radio show and podcast is about. I have to mention that you are listening live on the radio right now, unless you're listening to the podcast at KSQD 89.5, 89.7, and 90.7 in Prunedale and Santa Cruz, California. Um, so let's talk about scapegoating. Let's talk about what's happening in fascism, because really fascism uses scapegoats to distract everyone from what's really happening, which is we have this elite corporate oligarchy kind of taking control of what's happening, who's in power uh, at the national level and around the world. So uh, to speak to that, (laughs) (laughs) we have Mei-Ling Obinata, our roving reporter, um, who actually started breaking the news that Ron DeSantis was coming to Salinas, had been to Salinas uh, 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 just recently, maybe a couple weeks ago, Mei-Ling. What's the story on Ron DeSantis in Salinas? Yeah, so... So I I was just curious, uh, and somehow I discovered an invitation to a fundraiser for Ron DeSantis on September 28th, and uh, the address is not disclosed. But anyway, you could see these on social media popping up, and then soon it became like on various media, like KSBW and so on. But... um, yeah, I was I was surprised uh, <laughs> and curious. I know. I mean, of course, he would come here to fundraise. Like that's that standard. makes sense. Yeah, but yeah. but Selena seemed odd, and the, the people yeah. he was meeting with. So the various hosts are big ag. Uh, so leaders in things like salad kits, like Taylor Farms, or um, 
produce supply, uh, such as gills. So these are these are not only relevant in our region, but some of these are national leaders, and they have they may have holdings beyond the immediate area and into areas like Oxnard and the Central Valley and so on. There are also ag adjacent industries like insurance and public relations. Um, so anyway, I, I just thought it was interesting because... Uh, Let me, can I just interrupt oh, for a ahead. second and mm-hmm. say that you, there's an article that just came out, I want to say after Mayling was reporting on this, uh, in the Monterey County Weekly that lists all the different... Mm-hmm. Linda and Bruce Taylor of Taylor Farms, mm-hmm. Sandy and John D'Arigo, D'Arigo Brothers, mm-hmm. etc., Shelley and Steve Barnard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the curiosity is why big egg like this? You know, in Florida... The policies that DeSantis has instituted are actually incredibly anti-ag workforce. Like, mm, you know, mm-hmm. because you can get, you, it's a felony offense to be driving in a car with an undocumented person. Like, you have to check papers before someone gets in your car now. And then also, uh, it's also, uh, you have to register if you're a company with a certain number of employees t- and, and make sure that you've documented every single employee. Employees, so people have fled Florida. In fact, you know a lot of people are fleeing Florida, including including trans people and gay people and their families. But go ahead um, and tell us why you think. If you want to speculate, if you don't want to speculate, I'll speculate. <laughs> I like I like to stick to the dry information. <laughs> okay, but I would say that. Um, what one thing people forget is the like Santa Cruz County and Monterey County. We have uh, we lead the world in certain areas of agricultural production. Yeah, um, like literally the world. So it makes sense that people who want to have an impact on the agricultural industry would be attracted to this area in terms of fundraising. So I guess that's as much speculation. Okay, wait, I'm going to speculate for a second. Okay, Okay. so someone told me, and I think it was someone from our team said, Ron was looking into AI as as policy in Florida. He also cut a lot out of the ag budget in Florida for some reason I was reading. Um, And I don't know why, but there are, my understanding is there are plans, and I wish I had a source for this. So this is speculation, readers. Please go do the research um, that that there would be machines that are artificial intelligence-based machines or robots that would be picking fruits that we have, fruits and produce that we have so far not found a way to let have robots do. Learning how to pick the right strawberry, et cetera, right? How are you gonna operate ag without migrant workers, right? How are you gonna operate without undocumented workers? This is the big hypocritical uh, lie that we tell ourselves about migrants that we don't want them here and yet of course we can't eat without them so I think why would these people be courting DeSantis it might be oh they're just Republicans and they want to make sure they're donating to all the candidates just in case uh, but it but in terms of policy I don't think I mean I don't think that's good for them right uh, but anyway these are big people well one one thing I would say is that Several of the hosts, they do have a very checkered past in okay. terms of labor, anti-labor, no kidding, anti-shocking <laughs> uh, activity. <laughs> so there was, I guess, there was some worker who was uh, pregnant, and there were a bunch of chemicals in the air. This is Taylor facility. Farms. I think it's I, Taylor. I think I, I remember. I this. can't remember. Yeah. Maybe Taylor. Yeah, maybe, uh, the onion one. But yeah, so she wanted to leave because the chemicals were really interfering with breathing yeah and i guess they figured out oh she might like die yeah 
So then um, they realized it actually might affect all the workers in the facility because then they let them outside to have fresh air. So these are... Oh, that was nice. Yeah, it's not. It's nice. Like, well, if you die, then you can't continue working. Right. It's just um, like, oh... Yeah, so like the that. light bulb goes off. It's Wait very, a second, if it's we very kill them, I know that way. But we could also just kill them with AI. Apparently, I don't know. That's a speculation. Go do the research. <laughs> Come on the show with us if you find out. Okay, but let's go to the next thing, DeSantis. So we have we have a couple of kind of like really I don't know. They struck me as being newsworthy, although it may be not so surprising really. The big building in our little city, downtown, it looks big to all of us because it's pretty big compared to our other buildings, built by Anton Devco. Anton Devco is owned by the Eggerts. Steve Eggert. Steve and Pam. Well, Pam is the spouse of Steve. And guess what? They were the only ones to host a fundraiser for Ron DeSantis in Sacramento. So... That gives me the heebie-jeebies that our city has made a deal with Anton Devco, arranged, I imagine, by someone like Owen Lawler. Owen Lawler sold the first piece of land to, I think, Devcon, and then I don't know what happened after that. So it could have been Devcon sold the building to Anton Devco. But do you want to say more about that? And there's another piece of big info. So... uh there, there's a lot of there's a backstory in terms of a 1979 ordinance which the city passed, which requires a 15 percent, 15 percent affordable housing, and yeah. then there was an that was measure O, measure O, 1980, yeah, yes, and then there was activity around ni- uh, 2017, 2018 to amend that, and. Part of the amendment would allow um, looking at the financials for a project and determining whether or not to impose that 15% or to do something else. And the project received um, consideration. There's like a review process. And after they received that review, they were able to not do the 15% affordable housing. And a lawsuit ensued. Yes. And as part of the settlement, the Pomerantz Hatch, Pomerantz Hatch lawsuit. So the Pomerantz Hatch lawsuit actually includes the city as, um, or it is filed also against the city of Santa Cruz. So this might be more granular than anybody yeah, yeah. wanted to have. Yeah, because <laughs> anyway, our national listeners are like, okay, okay. okay. But, but, but anyway, long story short, yeah. um, that lawsuit was settled and um in 2020 in early 2020 february 2020 that's when uh llh and uh is that owen Owen lawler's group Uh, yes okay owen lawler let's just is a is a deal maker in santa cruz he's behind uh the hotel deal on the riverfront the whole riverfront deal that's happening uh, he was behind this deal originally, at least, um, and big, big uh, donor to Santa Cruz together, big funder of many of our centrist Democrats on the city council. Just FYI, everybody, go on. So that's that's when uh, Anton Development entered the picture in terms of the contracts that are um, visible in terms of public record. Okay, but then we have another development. We're going to have to go to a break in like one minute. And that has to do with Harlan Crow, a big donor to 
Um, uh, the Clarence Supreme Thomas? Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently has a mega development company uh, by which he has made his billions. And tell us about that deal. That's this is so Harlan Crow is now in Santa Cruz, folks, as as well as Ron DeSantis. Apparently, we're surrounded. Yeah. So his so Harlan Crow is the son of Trammel Crow, who made his company called Trammel Crow, and the development on Nine Hundred Eight Ocean is by High Street Residential, which is part of Trammel. Crow, which is wow, which High is Street part- Residential sounds like a Santa Cruz-based firm, but it's owned by oh. Trammell Crow. Mm-hmm. It sounds like I don't know if it is. Well, they kind of make these little local local, local companies, LLCs, you know, yeah. yeah. So they look local. Um, Interesting. Is that? Do you think it's because they look so they'll look local when they're donating to Santa Cruz together? One wonders <laughs> why. Why? Because you know what? Coming up as Trammell Crow. It's going to get people thinking, right? Well, it's like the region. Sorry to digress, but it's yeah. like the UC Regents and Graystar creating a very confusing LLC to yeah. buy the Hilltop Apartments, yeah, to push out long-term residents, jack up the rents, um, and and turn it into higher market rate housing right. than it was. Right. And and so to like to do the research to find out who's involved with all these little companies yes. is time consuming and Yeah, and then some, they all end up in Delaware or something. Right. <laughs> Where yeah. like it's free. You could be a you can do anything you want with a company in Delaware and no one knows. Um okay, we're going to have to go to a break. Is there anything last minute you want to add real quickly? Mailing, thank you for this wonderful reporting. Yeah, so Trammell Crow, the father of Harlan Crow, he was considered a great innovator in the real estate industry. So he was, um, whatever that means to people out there, he was considered some kind of real estate pioneer. Okay. For, yeah. Okay. Okay. I feel we feel ambivalent about that. That's okay. Well, well, I'm, just, I'm just sharing. <laughs> no, no, he, I mean, I'm just saying so personally, by myself, yeah, okay, after, okay. just because, you know. <laughs> Clarence Thomas has done us no favors on the Supreme Court. Mm. Uh, When we are looking at lives on the line, when we are looking at women's lives on the line, when we are actually looking at trans people's lives on the line, when we are looking at violence and disruption in our school boards in an effort to take down the Department of Education itself, which is the end goal for a lot of these Christo-nationalist groups, I have a problem. And I don't know what the answers are. We're going to get to that. We're going to go to a break. Teachers, 
Ah, big sigh. Yeah. Uh, that was um, from the recent Moms for Liberty meeting. I'm not even going to name the local orgs. I don't want to give them a lot of attention, actually. Um, but people were there. Reporters were there. Observers were there. And uh, we had someone from our team there. And from what I understand, it was a clown show. People were there with all kinds of conspiracy theories leading to, you know, Moms for Liberty has been implicated in anti-Muslim stuff, quoting Hitler, apologizing, not apologizing. It's confusing, right? And that's how fascists operate, enough to be confusing for the time being until they get into power. Um, And we have someone on the line that's going to talk about fascism with us and Moms for Liberty. Her name is Jen Reeves. Jen, are you there? Hi, I am. Oh, yay. That's awesome. Thank you. I'm so glad you made it. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah. And so Jen is the regional director of Defense of Democracy, um, which is a national organization just organized to counter Moms for Liberty. And Jen, why don't you talk about, if you if you can, I also have the info here if, if you want me to do it. Um, what is the origin story of Moms for Liberty? Because you're down in Temecula, where it's kind of a Christo-nationalist. It's become a Christo-nationalist hotspot. Okay, so I'm going to give Moms for Liberty didn't really hit here. They go with more of the parent names, like the there's the parent unions and things like that. That's kind of what's taking off here more than Moms for Liberty. Okay, but don't you have someone on the school board who's Moms for Liberty? We have, yes. So we have one, and Chino has one member each that have a mom that are Moms for Liberty endorsed. And so my understanding is what happened in Temecula, which is in California, is that there were a couple school board members who were already leaning pretty far right, and so Moms for Liberty targeted your school board and uh, got someone elected, and now there's a majority of, maybe it's four, maybe it's three, I don't know how, how it's constituted there, of people who are actually changing the rules at the school level uh, to take out pride flags, to, in, to mandate parental notification when kids uh, question you know, their identities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, well, okay, so I'm just going to go back to the beginning, which is that Moms for Liberty was started in Florida by Tina Deskovich, Tiffany Justice, and Bridget Zeigler. Uh, they were on the school board or were former school board members in Brevard County, Florida. Um, and in just two and a half years, Moms for Liberty has grown to 285 chapters and well over 100,000 members in 45 states. In 2022, more than half of the 500 candidates endorsed by the organization nationally were elected to school boards. Um, the, Sen- the Southern Poverty Law Center, who, which is a very highly respected uh, civil rights organization that tracks hate, hate activities and extremist groups, has branded Moms for Liberty an extremist organization. Uh, they And they have said in tweets and different social media posts that what they are really after is an end to the Department of Education. We actually just had um, about 90, I think, Republicans in Congress vote to end dismantle the U.S. Department of Education. That means no more public school for our kids, folks. Mm -hmm. That's the agenda. Okay, so let's be very clear. They're going to come in about trans. They're going to come in about... uh, terrible books that need to be banned and they call it they call it curated uh from school libraries they're gonna they're gonna come after teachers who have pride flags they're gonna come after all these folks it gets very nasty let's go to the temecula story then tell us what's 
you know, I mean, uh, to me, Christo, Christ, Christo nationalists and Moms for Liberty are sort of very similar. There are links to Proud Boys. A lot of Moms for Liberty leaders have links to Proud Boys and insurrectionists. We see social media posts with pictures of them together. Why don't you tell your story a little bit? Because like you're, you have your own business. You're a hairdresser. What's the name of your of your of your uh, business again? So I own a salon suite called uh, Scissors of Oz. Scissors of Oz. <laughs> I love that. That's cute. And so tell me That's how you name. got involved. You're, you're just c- doing your thing, cutting hair. Um, so for us, yes, we have one school board member that was endorsed for Moms for Liberty. But the big thing in our area is that we have a church that started something called the IE Family Pack. And mm-hmm. so they were the ones that really pushed for these school board members. They got three in in Temecula, two in in Murrieta, and then one in in a city called Lake Elsinore. Okay. And getting those three in Temecula gave Temecula its majority because they have a five-person board. Right. Um, So, and and then what happened? So first thing, right off the bat, they got, um, when they got elected, they were sworn in in December, I believe it was December 13th. That very day, they did a CRT ban for the district, like jumping right in. Right, right. Um, shortly and after that. And so let's that, talk about freedom of speech for a minute, right? Because yeah. all these conservatives are like, no, freedom of speech, they're banning us from Twitter when we talk about, you know, anti-Semitism and, <laughs> and, 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 you know, basically exterminating trans people. But, and that's not fair. But then, of course, when we want to talk about an, some part of history that deserves our analysis and thinking, and that actually happened. And that actually happened, it's banned. So yes. continue. I'm sorry. I get and that was up. honestly one of the biggest things about the CRT ban wasn't the, the ban of CRT itself. Um, it is the verbiage that they used in that ban to say teachers can't use the terms um, oppressor and oppressed. They can't use, there's multiple different terms they're not allowed to use anymore in different okay. things when they're teaching history. Wow. And so it was very much like flat out right there, okay, you're violating someone's First Amendment rights by telling them what words they can and cannot use in the classroom. Right. Um, and so multi- there is actually a lawsuit that was filed against the district yeah. by multiple teachers and students um, f- for violating their First Amendment rights to free speech and to violating their rights to learn. Yeah. I mean, not only that, but banning pride flags, I think, just happened, I think, in Temecula and in yeah, uh, actually recent. a county in the Bay Area. Um, let me see if it's in my notes. It's It starts with an S. I'm kind of remembering um, two California school districts. This is from The Hill, November 14th, 2023, ban the display of LGBTQ pride flags Tuesday as organizations and municipalities move to limit flags often uh, flags on display, often citing the controversy around them. How did this become controversial, right? Uh, districts in the southern city of Temecula and the Bay Area, small town of Sunol, banned the flags this week. So that to me, I mean... I don't even know what to say, but go ahead. But continue with your, with your story of what happened in Temecula and in that area. There's also Glendale, which is in LA. There's Chino. Yeah. So we. St- so after that, they did a um, workshop. First, they did one for the teachers, and then they did one for the community that was supposed to explain to us why CRT is wrong and why we needed it banned. And you know, so it, it wasn't really a let's sit down and discuss this and you know figure out 
exactly where we need to meet. It was just a, we're going to gaslight you into believing our side. Um, multiple teachers walked out of their workshops. They weren't, they weren't interested in listening to it. Um, and then the family, the workshop they did for the community, there was um, multiple instances of just there, like we, there was a black man that was kicked out at the beginning. Um, he had made a statement and a woman told him to go back to where he came from if he didn't like it here. Mm. And when he hollered out about that, they removed him, mm. but not her. Mm. So that was kind of our first real view into the extremist side of all of this. Because yeah, it got, was a very heated meeting. There was a lot of tension. A few other situations happened during that meeting as well. Um, was there one with a, well, there was like a black child in the room? Was that in Temecula? And then yes, some, that was some also big white guy. Meeting, like um, where she, so she, there, there was a bunch of people yelling in the back because they wanted that woman, and this, this was stemming off of actually the first situation. They wanted the woman to be removed. Um, I was over on one side of the room talking to some teenagers that were there. One of them happened to be the daughter of one of my clients. Um, and we were chatting, and the young man next to me was yelling to remove the woman, remove the woman. And someone came from the front of the room to the back. Um, I can't say what his intentions were in the beginning. I don't know. But when he got back there, he yelled at the young man next to me to shut up. And that young man was like, no, I, you know, I'm saying this, I can do what I want. And I hollered to him, like, leave the kid alone. Um, so and the young man he, was a student. Yes, he was another student. He was a, um, I, possibly a junior in high school at the time. I'm not sure of his age, but he was one of the high school students. And this is a, a black student. This man, young man was white. Oh, this, okay. I was, this I specific, saw a video but of So a, he, as the man is coming over to talk to that student, this young lady, this is the young black lit girl. She young, uh -huh. comes walking over and sees the man approaching the teenager. And so she jumps in front of him to stop him from approaching the teenager. And then that's when everything kind of exploded in the room. And it really, it was like a... A six-second situation. It happened very fast. She jumped in front of the guy. He started yelling at her. The other black man came over. Pastor Brian Hawkins came over, got in between the two of them to try to defuse the situation, and then everybody else came running. Okay, I'm just um, going to... So, but just, she was specifically trying to defend her friend who was being yelled at by yeah, that Yeah, and man. she was a student, uh, a yes. black student, being yelled at, and I saw this, sort of like if someone gets up in your face by this much bigger white man um, and we just had Tony Thurman our mm -hmm. state superintendent of schools a black man removed from uh, the school board meeting in Temecula so that I'm, was at Chino I'm sorry that was at Chino I'm sorry thank okay. you for correcting me um, and this is the kind of chaos and madness that starts to happen in our school boards and that to me is the point and I mm. do want to get to the bigger mm -hmm. picture mm -hmm. because it's not really I mean these people like trans people and people of color and CRT, these are just, you know, this is how to get people riled up and angry, mm -hmm. get Christo nationalists into office, which is what they're going to try to do. And, and likely if they come back here, that's what they're going to try to do. So please watch your school boards and who's running for school board everywhere yeah. throughout Santa Cruz County and everywhere in the country. Or run yourself. Or run yourself. Um, <laughs> And I just want to, I want to make sure, uh, I mean, the other thing that happened to you, I mean, there's so much to talk about, we have so little time, um, is that you're, when you showed up as someone who was going to be fighting against or c countering these folks, 
you had what happened to you? My property was vandalized on Easter morning. They threw paint on my car, on my driveway, and all over my garage door. Um, and then they've since made the narrative that I did it to myself. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? Oh, you did it on on purpose to yourself. Yeah. So yeah. I went out on Easter morning and I painted my own property so yeah. that I could Splash. then say that yeah. they did it. Yeah. I saw yeah, so um, I, want, I do want to talk before we get too far, because I think Joy would like to talk a little bit about uh, she's okay with it, but I, uh, I just want to talk about the bigger picture, too. Um, you have, you know, we had this Moms for Liberty meeting. We, it was, in, I mean, people who went were like, it was absurd and ridiculous. It was like an MLM marketing webinar where they had plants in the audience asking questions and plants in the audience clapping and cheering. <laughs> and not as many local folks, thank goodness, as, as, we, as they probably had hoped for. Um, and you have mentioned some things to think about. I mean, we're a different community. We don't already have far-right people on our school boards that we know of very much. I mean, I actually don't know everyone. We have many school districts, maybe 10 in our county. What are you recommending as someone from Defense of Democracy in terms of countering all this? So the biggest things that I would say for countering this is just w is watching what narrative they try to push in your community uh -huh. and countering that paying attention to obviously what's going on in these other districts so you know what might be coming for you yeah um another great thing that some this is something that like politicians local politicians school board members can do um is like defensive democracy actually has a pledge and it says mm -hmm. that we it's it's very bipartisan it's just says that we stand for inclusive school districts and libraries and we believe that teachers and librarians know what's best and have been trained to know what's best to have in their classrooms and in their libraries yeah and we ask that you know politicians and school board members sign this and then that shows your communities that these people stand with your schools and uh, is there any legislation that could be passed like is there any school board rules that could be passed that with we will not remove i don't know has have you heard anything like that like preemptive stuff so not yet. There's um, right now one good thing they have on Newsom's desk waiting to be signed is AB 1078, which should stop uh, many of these school boards like Temecula from trying to remove books from the district. It will cause ex it will give them extra steps that they have to go through before a book can be removed. Okay. Um, so it's going to make it much harder for them to ban books. And one thing I think we discussed, and I've actually started discussing it with other people, is while these meetings are, are public and you can't necessarily at this time say nobody is welcome, it, the idea of, say, if you are part of a extremist group that has been named an extremist group or has been named a hate group, such as Moms for Liberty or yeah. the Proud Boys, yeah. that at, then you could not come onto school district property at a school board meeting because you have been deemed as somebody who is coming in as an extremist already. Yeah. And you so know, something like that would definitely be good to get rolling. I know. And make no mistake. I mean, when they come in and they're like, they are doing this, they are doing that. They're talking about teachers. They're talking about uh, parents. They're talking about the people in our community who mm -hmm. care very deeply about our kids and the parents who are already involved in our school district who have non-binary LGBTQ plus kids. We're here. We're parents. We have rights as well. So, Joy, I want to go to you for a minute um, to talk about 
what you think because really this is all a distraction it's a it's a clown show to keep us all just kind of riled up and and distracted and busy i think that you were saying this earlier before the show uh, but really what it is, it's an agenda to de-socialize um, and withdraw funds from support for the general public in the United States, including white people, including white working class people. Where are you going to send your kids when the schools shut down because the Christo nationalist, Christo fascists take over? Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot um, recently, and I did get uh, Naomi Klein's new book, Doppelganger, which I think... Uh, I'm not totally finished reading it, but um, I think I I really like her her analysis um, that there's there's a mirror world that's been intentionally created, and and part of what it does is it silences us by co-opting our language and our movement and our causes. Um, and one of the things that they do that is my least favorite form of teasing is they sort of parrot back to us. And, you know, when people do that to you, you kind of at a certain point, all you can do is just shut down. What do you mean parrot back to us? What do you mean parrot back to us? Oh, <laughs> oh, that's annoying. <laughs> you're annoying. No, you're annoying. <laughs> or, you know, what's worse? They start calling you us like. You are for sexualizing children. They're yeah. they're going to this place. You are a demon. I've been right. called. Don't you want to protect women? Right. So I think that that you know there's this. It's something that's been happening since the 70s. Yeah. I think, and it's increased. Um, you know, several times over the decades it's definitely the pandemic just put it into hyperdrive we were hoping for a new normal what we got was the old normal on steroids and so this neoliberal project of yes deconstructing the shreds of social welfare and protections and networks that we have so i think for us um who are not part of that yeah um we need to we need to organize. Yeah, we need to not cede all of the language. Like we need to hold on to fascism as an important word, um, imperialism. Yes, because and, I hear if people tell me who are progressives. Oh well, they're, everybody's fascist. The republic, uh, the Democrats, but they're and, not. But they're not. They're I know not. There's the a Democrats difference. are not fascist. I know, and I just that's so important to say <laughs> because the lines are getting blurred. Yes, and if and this is my litmus test now. Marianne Williamson actually passes it. You may have problems with her. RFK Jr. doesn't really, yeah. and if he because he's he's taking Republican money, I think he's going to actually when he doesn't win the primary, he's going to. I think he's going to run as Trump's running mate mm-hmm. um, if Trump is still in the running. And and so my litmus test is: Can you call out right wing fascism at this time? Right. That's my litmus test for is someone clear, and then you can have different opinions about what to do or what's, you know. Sure. And I think I think working together around actions when we do agree, like working for CalCare. What's right? that? CalCare is California's um, Medicare. Okay. Basically, so like working together for universal health care. Yeah. Working together for um, for debt forgiveness. Yeah. Like through an organization like the Debt Collective or locally in Santa Cruz County, we have a Santa Cruz County Tenants Organizing Committee. Yeah. So working together for projects that will help all of us, not just our own personal projects, yeah. but really the larger we of 
of absolutely of of you know working together unions labor lgbtq plus poc black people indigenous people i mean here's one thing that this rando moms for liberty nutso meeting I mean, I talked to a reporter who went, who said that was really painful to sit through. Um, uh, basically, um, and I, you know, it's hard, you don't want to insult people, but then people are going into these deep conspiracy theories where you can't have a reasonable conversation anymore. And so, what do you do? I think at one some points you do have to start to organize and fight back. And I'll tell you what this one little meeting did: it, it galvanized the LGBTQ community in a way that, you know, probably hasn't hasn't happened in a while. You know, people. Are going to mm-hmm. go down to that summit in Watsonville that yeah. was just on and join the, the rainbow defense the rainbow defense so I need to talk I'm so sorry I wish we had more time with everybody but I have to make a bunch of announcements that are super <laughs> important um, and I you guys are all wonderful first I want to say I also wanted to mention that uh, one of the things that Bannon talks about on his war room podcast or whatever he's doing now is uh, going after school districts so he's behind a lot of this stuff um, yeah precinct organizing precinct he's like precinct Precinct by precinct. So yeah. come on, guys. We need to go precinct by precinct. Yes. Um, and I also want to note that if you want to help out, if you if you're if you're ready to show up for trans defense and for solidarity and unity, um, you can email rainbowdefense831 at gmail.com. You can go to the Instagram account of Pajaro Valley Pride, Pajaro Valley Pride 831 at Instagram. Uh, Swing Left is an amazing organization working on national uh, election campaigns, go to swingleftbayarea.org backslash Santa Cruz. Uh, Showing Up for Racial Justice is a national organization with local chapters. They're uh, very heavily involved with Rainbow Defense. Again, that's rainbowdefense831 at gmail.com. If you're national, go find these people in your own hometowns. Um, I want to thank you all, and we're about to close out of the show i feel like there's so much more i'm going to include uh links uh in show notes when we get our show page up which we are working on thank you so much um Mom, thank you so much you guys yeah thank you very much amy thanks yeah. amy thank you thank you jen for joining us oh is she still there maybe she having... oh uh, we'll be back in touch i'm sure we'll have you on again thank you so much Moment of Truth gives many, many thanks to our team, Nyanko Nyasu, sound and tech engineer, and our research and production team, Nyanko Mailing Obinata, Todd Zimmerman, and Vara Ramakrishnan. Todd Zimmerman of Nativeverse Studios created the theme song. Kathy Krizik created our logo. Thanks to our KSQD program manager, Howard Feldstein, and the entire KSQD, KSQD team on the California Central Coast, where this show originates. Please contact us at amy, A-M-I, at ksqd.org with your questions and comments or your show ideas. Thank you for tuning in to Moment of Truth. And remember, if we don't use our democracy, we lose our democracy.